Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everyone. Thanks for hanging with us. This is episode two of the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger. Where during this 50th anniversary season, we're going to chat with some of our favorite people from Rangers baseball. Could be former players, broadcasters, fans, celebrities. And I'm excited to do it with my co-host, Hannah Wing. Hannah, we are going to chat with Steve Bouchelle later, uh, who has been such an integral part of Rangers baseball in so many different roles and capacities. I'm uh, really excited to talk to him. And you guys have that California connection, oh, so totally I, I know do. you're pumped. Yes, absolutely. And sorry to all of our listeners if I sound a little bit raspy. Uh, my allergies are just hating me right now, so apologies in advance. But yes, very excited to talk with Boo today. He's an awesome guy with even greater game day fashion, so excited to talk to him about that as well in a little bit. Yeah, we got a lot uh, in store uh, with Steve Bouchel, uh, and hopefully you had a chance to catch uh, episode one with Eric Nadell and Matt Hicks. You know, we, we got Hicksy a little emotional. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to do that with Boo, but maybe that can be our thing. Yeah, it, we make all of our guests cry every single week. You for good know. reasons. Yes, yeah, for, for great reasons, reasons, of course. Never bad. Well, uh, like I said, a lot coming up with Steve Bouchel, but uh, we got to talk a little Rangers baseball just to give you an update. We're having this conversation. It is May 5th. Uh, Cinco de Mayo. We wanted to celebrate with you on Cinco de Mayo. Uh, the Rangers have just taken two straight from the Phillies, uh, part of a four-game winning streak, getting set to take on the uh, New York Ranger Yankees with Joey Gallo, Jose Trevino, and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Uh, so as we have this conversation, the Rangers and Yankees have not yet played, just to give you an idea of where we are. But uh, we got a, a little game we're going to play in a second, but uh, we got to do an update with the big league club and, and the minor league club as well. Absolutely. So, Jared, let's kick things off. So, obviously, April's down. Now it's May. We have a lot of season left. But what are some challenges of weighing a 162-game season over a short sample? Well, think about this. You know, we went to USC where football's big, right? How many college football games are there? 11, 12, 13, you know, college football playoff, maybe 14. The NFL... Now it's 17 games in the regular season. Even the NHL and the NBA, where it's 82 games in each season, uh, respective sports, that's a lot, but it doesn't compare to 162. And so I think that for sports fans, unless you are just like a baseball-only diehard, and even still, it's tough to calibrate the emotions of a 162-game season. And... You know, the Rangers got off to a, a tough start. They're 10 and 14 right now as we're talking, but 10 and 14 was 6 and 14 prior to the four game winning streak. And the reality is, if you go 6 and 14 over a 20 game stretch in June, you've got the backdrop of the first few months to, to measure it against. And so you've got stretches of, of good baseball, unless you're, you know, a team that's only going to end up winning. 50 games and maybe you don't but that's not this ball club this is a team that's much better than that and so I think it's tough every team every year there's a team that the 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 roughest stretch of their season is the beginning and that's tough because as a fan you don't have anything else to point to and, and say oh man but you know this guy can we saw what he did in April but this is all we have and so I think it's tough and I would just tell fans 
hey, be patient. Uh, it's been 24 games. I know that seems like a lot. And uh, in the NBA, uh, that would be more than a quarter of the season. In the NHL, more than a quarter of the season. In the NFL, the season's over already, right? So uh, in baseball, though, that's just not the case. Uh, we are, you know, around an eighth of the way through the season if my bad math is correct. A I'm little, not a math person either, yeah, so I wouldn't uh, look at me on that it one. sounds <laughs> about right. But a lot of baseball left to be played. And, you know, I think uh, one thing we'll, we'll, we'll maybe get into is Steve Buschel. You know, he was a part of the 2015 Rangers on the, the coaching staff. And that was a team that started 8-16. and 16, And I remember everyone thinking the sky is falling. Uh, Jeff Bannister was in his first year, and people wanted to cut bait with him. Not that fans did, not not anyone internally. Twenty four games in, and that team ended up winning the the AL West. So uh, a lot of baseball left to be played, and I think that the journey and maybe coming back from a slow start could be really fun to watch. Twenty four games down, a lot more to go. I'm excited to see what the Rangers <laughs> can do, do this year. But I want to ask you about catcher Jonah Heim. He has been on a tear, hit a home run slash grand slam off Shohei Otani, which was. So much fun to watch. I mean, Globe Life Field just lit up when that happened. But let's talk about his first home run as a father of two. Yeah, so, you know, came in Philadelphia, and Jonah's been one of the success stories so far this year. You know, the Rangers last year offensively uh, got very little production from their catching uh, group, which, you know, predominantly was Jose Trevino and Jonah Heim. Uh, John Hicks also caught a little bit as well. But they did not have a lot of success when you compared their production offensively from the catching spot uh, with the other 29 teams. And it's been the exact opposite this year. Uh, Even with Mitch Garver not necessarily getting off to a great start with what you'd expect from Mitch, uh, the catching duo of Garver and Heim have been so incredibly productive compared to other catching groups around Major League Baseball. Uh, And... You know, I think that's been a, a, a big positive. And Jonah was acquired in the Elvis Andrews trade a couple of years ago. And, you know, I think the thought is, well, we know that, you know, we're getting a great defensive catcher who's got a heck of an arm. And Jonah's six four. He's a big guy. You look at him and you think, man, this, this is a guy that he looks like he can hit. He just hadn't really put it together. But the Rangers saw a lot of potential, and it is early. But he's hitting the ball way harder than we've seen uh from Jonah, not just in a Rangers uniform, but even prior to that when he debuted in 2020 with the Oakland Athletics. And I just think, you know, for me, there's there's not a number that you can just put to this, but Jonah looks a lot more comfortable in the box this year. He is way more competitive at the plate than he was last year. And that, to me, his his improvement thus far has been one of the more encouraging parts of the season. I think it was awesome, too, when he hit that home run. And obviously, he's not getting any sleep. He hadn't seen live pitching in six days. He has a newborn child of less than a week old at home. But I thought it was so cool that in an interview, he said that it was such a special moment because it flashed him back to the birth of his son, Nash, and then his new daughter, Luck. So what an exciting time for Jonah and the Heim family. Congratulations, you two. We're so excited for you guys. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm sure he loves being on the road, too, because I imagine it's going to be the only time he gets to sleep. Yes, 1,000%. When he's at home, Mama probably not letting him sleep too much because she's doing it uh, by herself when he's on the road. Let's keep talking about uh, the awesome Rangers and what they're doing right now. Over the weekend, the Rangers took two of the three games against the world champion Atlanta Braves. And notably on Sunday, they had a 7-3 victory in front of a sold-out crowd. Jared, how important is it to have a big win like this in front of a packed ballpark? Yeah, I think that when you're coming off a 100-loss season, 
it, it's really important uh, because you have an opportunity to showcase the team in front of a sellout crowd. And there are obviously people in the crowd who they're going to watch, they're going to listen, they're going to attend games regardless of the result of that game. But there are, you know, invariably people that come to the ballpark every night for the first time and their experience is going to dictate the degree to which they want to keep coming back. Absolutely. You know, some of that is the fan experience and, and you're a big part of, you know, understanding what that is with, with, you know, what you do during games and, uh, and, and engaging with the fans. Some of that is, you know, just the team's performance. You know, the team goes out and uh, there's obviously way more energy when the home team is doing something fun and productive. And so I think people love crowds and noise and energy. And uh, when, it, you know, you have a big crowd and you lose 6 nothing, and, you know, you have like five hits, that's not that fun. And it's like, what are you cheering for? There, there probably wasn't a lot. But when you, you know, on Saturday and Sunday, you know, obviously Sunday being the, the largest crowd in Globe Life Field history and Saturday not a, uh, you know, a crowd to, uh, to sniff at by any means. But I just I think it's good for a team that is, is changing its identity. If the Rangers were the Dodgers, you know, having won like a million straight divisions, probably not that big of a deal. But that's not where the Rangers are. They're trying to get back to where they were about a decade ago uh, and I think wins like that just help the connection between fan and team. Does it impact the Rangers the rest of the way? No, it's just one win. It doesn't, you know, they don't get bonus runs or extra outs to play with because they won in front of a sellout. But I just think that, and you're, you're, you're front and center with fans, so you, you see this on a daily basis. But I, I just, I tend to think that winning games like that certainly helps way more in terms of growing the fan base than losing a game like that. I agree. And I am also on the Rangers social media team. So I see the DMS that you guys send in. They are not always the nicest. So I definitely think that a big win like that will put some people in their place to be quite frank. Um, All right, let's keep talking about that awesome game on Sunday. Outfielder Adolis Garcia had a three hit four RBI day. I just think he's so fun to watch. I love watching him hit. You never know what's going to happen with Adolis. What are your thoughts on his development so far? Well, I think something that's important to understand, especially it's not just for a team in the position of the Rangers where, you know, growth is still a big part of, of the, the goal and the mindset. I mean, I, I think, you know, whether you're uh, the World Series favorite or the team that is picked to finish last in all of baseball, uh, like, you know, the Orioles or, or, you know, the Reds have gone off to a tough start. Growth and development of players is always going to be important. And, I think in any sport, but especially baseball, I think there is such a range and variance in what is typical in, in a player's trajectory. And, and I think, the, you know, I guess in saying that, there isn't a typical. It is atypical. And everyone's got a different speed in which they develop and, and grow and path. And there are so many specific factors that impact that. You know, you might have a, a coach – in double a who you just connect with and and that guy uh, or gal plays such a huge role in your development whereas same coach same team I don't connect with that person and maybe it's not till I change organizations until I connect with someone maybe I'm dealing with stuff off the field maybe you know mom's sick or you know I remember back when Martin Perez was a ranger first time around and the rangers had a, a strong Venezuelan contingent no, they talked openly about how some of the turmoil in their home country impacted 
just their their day to day. And with Adolis Garcia, you know, I, I, I don't claim to know, uh, you know, everything about his personal life necessarily, but he came over stateside from Cuba as a 25-year-old uh, and very raw. You know, some Cuban players come over that age or later, but they're a lot more developed in their skill set, like Yuli Gurriel of, of the Astros, uh, you know, I think is a great example. He came over a little bit later. Jose uh, Abreu, uh, you know, there, there, there are so many examples of this. But Adolis was really raw. He was just this physical specimen, athlete-looking guy. And so when you ask yourself, well, why, why is it that he didn't have success until 2021? Because I think people are naturally skeptical when someone kind of flashes for a year. Uh, I think you can ask, ask that question. It's fair to ask. I think an answer to consider is, well, he wasn't – in an organization at 18 getting professional instruction here stateside or 21 or 20. And it wasn't until he was 25. There's an acclimation period for a guy coming over from Cuba. And he's really, you know, in some respects, equivalent to a 22, 23 year old in terms of the amount of time he's put into an organization in the major league level uh, or a major league organization at various levels. Uh, and I think that's something to consider when you ask, well, why is this guy going to be different? Why is he perhaps a late bloomer? And, you know, word on the street is that his social media game is also pretty integral in his uh, success. And I can't take any credit for that, but maybe you can. Well, I can't take credit for his social media, but he's actually active on Twitter again. At spring training, he came up to me and he said, Hannah, my Twitter's broken. I need to log back in. So <laughs> it's been handled. He's all back on Twitter. He's good to go. So give him a follow on Twitter and social media in general. His Instagram's awesome, too. He just... He's just a super fun guy with the whitest teeth I've ever seen on a human being in my life. <laughs> All right. We have a fun game for you. First, though, uh, I was just talking a lot about the big league level, but I think what's exciting is that this organization has such a great farm system. What, what's going on in the minor league level? That's right. I also want to show some love for the Rangers minor league affiliates. Um, as of yesterday, AAA Round Rock and AA Frisco are both in first place. High A Hickory is right around 500, and Down East is 10-2 and two as of yesterday. So the future's bright for the Rangers. Make sure to follow those accounts as well and keep up with our young prospects. All right, so this is the second episode, uh, and we hope that you're going to be along for the ride throughout the year with us, and we're going to introduce you or, or, or give you an opportunity to really get to know some, some great guests, like our guests here for this episode, Steve Bouchel. But I don't know. I think it's important. I, I, I want people to get to know us as well. So how do we play a little game? Uh, two truths and a lie. Pretty, pretty standard game. Love it. All right. So we'll start with you, Hannah. Hannah is going to give us three statements. Two of them are true. One of them is not. I will try and guess which one is not. Uh, and in the process, we will learn a little bit about Hannah Wing. Well, they're all very specific, so good luck deciphering which one <laughs> is the lie and which ones are the truth, but we'll go ahead and get started. Um, so number one, I've been on the catwalk at Globe Life Field, 210 feet above the field. Number two, I finished an entire boomstick in less than four innings by myself. And number three, when he was here, I taught Shin Su Chu about purple shampoo when he dyed his hair blonde. Okay. The boomstick one, I believe you with Chew. I, that, that seems too, like, right up your alley. Very specific, I know. No, no, I, I think that one. So, boomstick with the bun? Yep. 
my inclination was maybe you're afraid of heights, but that would be very ironic if I was because I am a giant. You are you are tall, not as tall as me, but almost. That's true. I'm kidding. Uh, I I guess I'll also use uh, this as an opportunity maybe for people to get to know you even more. I know that you are gluten free, so I am going to use that deductive reasoning to say that the boomstick is the lie. That is correct. You know me so well already, but yes, I have celiac disease, so unfortunately, I don't think they make two-foot-long gluten-free hot dog buns, but if you do, please let me know, and I will give the Boomstick Challenge a try. I, I do. I, I want to say this. So I, I have full confidence that with a gluten-free bun or bunless, you could take that down. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Depends on the day and how hungry I am, I would okay. say. All right. But we'll see. All right, Jared, what about you? What are your two truths and a lie? All right, so number one, I was sent to the hospital when Oral Hershiser, former Rangers pitching coach, was throwing batting practice as a part of a junior Rangers program. Oh I wasn't gosh. paying attention, and he hit me in the face with a ball. Number two is I spent winnings from a Vegas trip to fly back home and buy a ticket to one of the World Series games in 2010, the first year the Rangers ever made the World Series. And number three, uh, I once interviewed Adrian Beltre while facing the total wrong direction without realizing where he was in relation to my microphone. And I thought mine were specific. Okay, let's see. Can I phone a friend on this or can I call your <laughs> wife Emily and ask her? I actually don't know if uh, – I don't know if she'd be able to get this one right. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to say flying back from Vegas – to buy a plane? I mean, not a plane ticket. A baseball a World Series ticket. That's the lie? Oh, wait. Okay. Um, or no, I'm at, are you... I think that's the lie. Okay. That is not a lie. Ah, damn I, it. Uh, just like you, we went to the University of Southern California. Blessing and a curse. Vegas not far away. Exactly. I turned 21. Uh, and won a little bit of money. Enough to where I, I was... You know, I told my dad, hey, I want to go to the, the World Series. He said, okay, buy your ticket. Uh, and so I, I, I took that money. I put it towards a plane ticket and a World Series ticket. I sat up in the third to last row uh, for game four of the 2010 World Series. But uh, it was like one of the first adult things I did. The, the gambling Vegas, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I like paid for a plane ticket and paid for a seat. I sat by myself. I had friends that went, so we tailgated before. Uh, I did interview Adrian Beltre facing the wrong direction. It was in 2015 on the field after the 162nd game when the team clinched. And I had my ski goggles on my head, but not over my eyes. And Keone Kella poured champagne all over my head and it got into my eyes and my eyes were burning and I couldn't see and so I had lined up Adrian Beltre, and then somewhere along the way, uh, and I was, like, interviewing him kind of with my eyes closed, I got bumped, and I, like, literally could not open my eyes without tremendous pain, and even when I did open my eyes, I couldn't really see, and so I just kind of had the mic, and Adrian took my hand and moved the mic back in front of That's his amazing. mouth. That's amazing. Now, the Oral Hershiser one is not totally true. His son, who... I ended up becoming close friends with at USC was a rival of mine in high school. And we played in a tournament against one another in March and craziness. It was snowing here in Dallas. It was, it was below freezing and he hit me with a pitch. It was an O2 count. So I did not make any effort to get out of the way. 
and he hit me with a pitch right above my right elbow, and it popped a blood vessel. And I played the rest of the game, but then afterwards it, there was like this spot right above my elbow that swelled to the size of a tennis ball. And I had to go to the hospital so that they could drain that. So while Oral Hershizer did not send me to the hospital, his son Jordan did. Wow. Between that and getting champagne in your eyes and almost going blind, I'm glad that you're still okay, Jared. Thank you for sharing that with us. Those are really funny. Wow. So were you actually a junior ranger when you were little then? No, I, oh, okay. I, I was. I mean, I was like a huge Rangers fan. I think there was a junior but you didn't Rangers program the kit then. With yeah, the backpack and the lanyard, you know, and okay, I might have, um, but I was not a. I probably was not an active member. I didn't. Uh, I didn't participate in ways I should have, other than just watching every game and sneaking out of bed for the West Coast games. Well, now you can now too. It all came full circle. There you go. All right. Uh, you know what? I was going to tell a story about a former Ranger, but I think we're going to save this. Uh, because we got to get to uh, what's next, and I'm really excited about what's next. And we have a lot of episodes this season, yes. too, so tune in for Jared's fun story about a player. Uh, for all of our listeners, we'll be back after the break with beloved Rangers former third baseman and broadcaster Steve Bouchelle. Meet Whataburger's new Southern Bacon Double Burger, here for a limited time in participating locations. All right, really excited to chat with Steve Bouchelle, who's been a big part of the Rangers organization in a number of capacities, uh, player, member of the coaching staff, front office, and currently, uh, I guess, second stint, uh, part of the Rangers uh, television broadcasts doing pre- and post-game show host work, and a former uh, partner of mine on Texas Rangers radio broadcast back in 2020. Those were some fun times, but boo, uh, this is the 50-year celebration of the Texas Rangers, and uh, when you think of people who have given back a ton to this organization. You're certainly at the top of the list, and we appreciate you joining us. Wow, that's nice of you to say, and it's nice to be here with you guys. So we're kind of going to go all over the place, and I don't think the first thing people think about when they think about Steve Bouchelle is Steve Bouchelle, the broadcaster. But right now, people can watch you, Mark McLemore, David Murphy, Mike Bassick, uh, on the pre- and post-game show on Bally Sports Southwest. How'd you get into that? And, and, and what has that experience been like for you? I guess it goes back to 2009. Um, my first year managing in the minor leagues and then coming back here in September and just being asked to do a few of the games, which was, and I enjoyed doing it. And then 2010 and 11 was the same type of thing. And then fast forward to 2019, did a few more. Half the games in the 2020, the COVID season, uh, Mac and I did all the home games which was weird, you know, <laughs> at least we got to watch a game when yeah. um, there was no one in the stands. And then last year and this year, you know, picked up a few more games, but I enjoy it and get to watch a lot of Ranger baseball. Keeps me involved. What do you remember about the very first game you did as a broadcaster? Was it natural for you? Were you nervous at all? N- nervous for sure, because not, not knowing anything about how things work in a studio you know, plugging in your microphone and your earpieces. I had no idea, but they were so great teaching me. And But for sure nervous. Um, I think the more you can relax, obviously, Jared, you do it a lot. The more you can relax, so much easier it is to talk. Uh, I do remember one, one time early on when Dana Larson, her allergies were killing her, and she lost her voice. She had a coughing attack. And I did not know what to do. So <laughs> I just took us to break, which was really funny. And it worked. So, but, yeah, Hannah, for sure, very nervous the first time. Okay, so you mentioned Mark McLemore. You've obviously spent a ton of time with him. I think you probably have done games with 
you know, all the names I'd mentioned earlier at some point, Bassick, David Murphy, Mac. I, you probably have done more with Mac than, than anyone else. Uh, what's it like working with, with Mark McLemore? Like, what are some of the quirks that just still make you giggle when you think about Mac kind of off air and off camera? You know what? He's, he's just such a great guy. And I think the funny thing is we, we think alike a lot of times. And, and even sometimes the things that we don't say, we'll just look at each other and know what we want to say, but we don't actually say it. But I think more so all the time with Mac, you just you find out what a great person he is, what a family guy he is, what a great family he has. Uh, and he's big around here. I'm telling you, you come to the ballpark and work with Mac, he knows everybody. Uh, and I think that's from doing this for so long. But... Uh, he's a people person, but he's just a great guy. I feel like every single game, whenever you're working, and I walk by your booth on the main concourse, people are always getting selfies with you, trying to get your attention, whether you're on or off the air. How fun is that being around the fan base again? You know, it, it is fun. Uh, and I'm glad Max sits by the rail, so he gets bothered a lot more, <laughs> <laughs> a lot more than I do. And I think it gets to him sometimes. But, you know, there's, there's times when you would like to be able to sit there and concentrate on what you're going to talk about. But it's also super nice uh, that people still come by and they still remember us and want to take a selfie or want to autograph and interacting with them is, is always fun. I'll never forget last season, my dad was here for the Father's Day game and he was so excited to meet you. And you stood up and you had on shorts, <laughs> tennis shoes, a nice suit jacket and a button down shirt. So can you walk us through your game day routine and your fashion? <laughs> well, fashion is not the right word, right? I mean, there, there is zoom no zoom interview. If there you will. is no yeah zoom interview. It, there is no fashion that uh, they see us from the waist up. So come summertime here for sure, when it gets hot, just a pair of shorts and your suit and tie or coat and tie, button down shirt. Uh, I know it kind of looks kind of silly, but it's comfortable. Who builds your wardrobe, though? Is it you or, I mean, I know you got a lot of important women in your life. So what sort of influence do they have? Do you have a team? Do you have a fashion team? Yeah. Behind, like, what, behind the scenes, Boo, what yeah. does this yeah. look like for yeah, you? Yeah, Boo's fashion team, right? It's <laughs> mostly me, which might explain the whole thing, right? <laughs> but I think there's times when I'll bring something out and ask Nancy, you know, hey, does this go together? And uh, she'll give me her opinion or go pick something else out. But um, the shorts are here to stay. I mean, that's... I got to be in my shorts. So I met my wife in 2015. Our first season together was 2016, and it was probably not until, well, it might have been May. I made it through April, and then I got home from a day game at the ballpark, and there were like three or four polos that were at my doorstep of my apartment, and I was really curious, and I was on the phone with her when I walked in, and I was like, oh, I got... I don't know what these shirts are. She's like, oh, yeah, I got you some shirts. I've seen what you wear to the ballpark. It is not acceptable. Uh, we need to step your game up. So I, I don't, you know, the reason I asked who builds the wardrobe, I, I don't know that I'm responsible for a single thing that I wear. Right now, I'm wearing a hoodie and sweatpants. I can do that. That's my right. speed. Anything that is even semi-formal, no clue. So I'm impressed that you make some of your decisions. So, so think about it. I could probably wear go through the entire season with a black sport coat, a navy blue sport coat, and a gray sport coat, and just mix the shirts and ties. And you probably wouldn't realize it, right? So that part's kind of easy, and uh, for me, that makes it much more simple. I mean, I have, a few, I have a few more coats, but I think there's ways you could do it where it's not so difficult. 
I don't know, but for sure, the fashion team is not <laughs> that's not part of me. So we don't have, right before you guys go live, you got Dana on one side and Mac. You don't have someone touching up the makeup, like, right last second? So it's kind of embarrassing. When we're here at the ballpark, Renee does come by and will touch you up with the makeup, which is, I still think that's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's showbiz, baby. I know. <laughs> All right, so... I know you, you probably have, like, in your head, like, a catalog of players that you watched when you were playing, uh, when you were coaching. Who are the guys, and it could be guys on the Rangers or just guys around the league, that you love just getting to see them play in person? Right now? Right now. That's a great question. I think when he's healthy, I mean, I love when the Angels come to town or when the Rangers play them. I just have a fascinated, fascination with Otani. Right, someone that can go out and start the game and blow you away for six innings and go two for three with a homer. Um, it's just so unique, and it's once-in-a-lifetime type of player. I love watching him. Mike Trout, when he's healthy, I, I still think he's the best player in the game. I, get, I, I love watching him play, and I like the young guys. I like watching Vlad Guerrero. I like for a 22-year-old kid to hit the way he does – is mind-blowing to some, even somebody like me. So uh, I think every team has that special player, but, I mean, what came to mind right away was going back to my hometown in Southern California, and, and you know, I think Otani and Trout are the ones that, that are really fun to watch. I know there's been a lot of talk about rule changes, uh, changes that have been made, changes that are likely to be made. The one that I love that, that isn't in effect this year but will be in effect starting next year is the change to the schedule. And maybe we're not going to play the Angels as much, and I do sometimes think that we take for granted how awesome it is to see Otani and Trout as, as often as, as Rangers fans do because of being in the division. But, you know, the Braves were in town recently. Right. I don't know that Rangers fans had ever seen Ronald Acuna Jr. in person. Right. Uh, Juan Soto – uh, in the NL East, you know, when when was the last time, you know, Rangers fans got to see him? I, you, you've been a part of baseball for so long. There have been so many different iterations of the template of the schedule. I'm just curious your thoughts on now the opportunity for fans at minimum every other year, uh, but certainly every year on TV at least to see all the stars around the game. No, I love it. I, I think that's that's a great change back when I was playing mm-hmm. – you play. You went to every American League city twice. They came to you twice, uh, and then the interleague came into play. And uh, yeah, you're lucky to see Otani and Trout and see the Angels so often, 19 times. But maybe the fans don't want to see Oakland 19 times uh, throughout the course of the season. So I think this new schedule, where you get a chance to see everybody uh, and see players that maybe you've never had a chance to see play before, I think it, I think that's one of the better rule changes. I love it. We're really excited to talk to you about all things Rangers today, of course. You really see the organization from such a different and unique perspective than anyone else that we'll probably talk to on the podcast this year. But what is exciting to you about this current roster? Any standouts on the Rangers roster this year? I mean, I like what they did in the span of, what, 48 hours. This (laughs) this, this team changed uh, back before the the basic agreement uh, expired. Last year they said it was a full rebuild. And I guess rebuilds can go in a lot of a lot of different ways, but just those two or three days where you had John Gray and, and Seeger and Semyon sign with this team, I, I think fans immediately 
knew which direction this rebuild was going to go. They weren't going to go with all the young kids. I think that's still in the back of their mind in the hopes of developing some of these young kids to come up and be impactful at the big league level. Uh, that may take a while. We don't know. That's sometimes something that's really hard to gauge. But getting guys like Seeger, Semyon, John Gray uh, to come to a team that lost 100 games last year it's pretty remarkable, and I think there's a commitment on part of the ownership and the front office to go out and, and provide a winner here. Uh, but for me, the biggest thing is when you step outside Globe Life Field here and see all the building that's going around, you see Cowboy Stadium, Texas Live, Choctaw Stadium across the street, new hotel, hotel going on. I mean, there's such a buzz around here. But I think the fans' interest in the Rangers was really fading a little bit in the last couple of years. But over this winter... Uh, I think the fans' interest is back on the Rangers, and hopefully, you know, it'll get better from here. Obviously, our roster looks very different this year. Who is your favorite player to watch this season? Uh, so far, I think it's been Seager, just because I haven't got a chance to really watch him very much. I enjoy watching him. I like Adolis when he's uh, go, going good. I love the energy that he brings to this ball club. Um, I enjoy watching Dane Dunning. I think he's one of these guys that we're going to see grow into a, you know, a very good uh, starting pitcher in this league. I've, I've enjoyed him so far. His last couple starts have been great. Uh, but for me, it's, it's Seager because I just haven't had the chance to watch him in the National League very much. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got more questions for Boo. Plus, we're going to roll out uh, a question we are going to ask everyone, and we are going to try it out on you first. So uh, I hope you're ready for this, but uh, we're going to throw some heaters your way. But uh, before we continue our conversation with Steve Bouchel, let's pause for a message from our favorites over at Whataburger. Try the new spicy honey butter chicken biscuit only at Whataburger. Kick breakfast up a notch with Whataburger's all-new spicy honey butter chicken biscuit. All right, back here with Steve Bouchel. This is the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by our friends at Whataburger. And, Boo, I, I want to ask you a question, something we're going to ask everyone, and we're going to talk to uh, people like yourself who have a playing background, and obviously we've detailed uh, that your, your connection to the organization spans more than just your, your playing career. But uh, musical artists, uh, entertainers, it, it, it's a question I think that applies to anyone in any field. Who is someone that you competed against who was maybe a rival? So not someone who was your best buddy on another team, but you were competitors. But someone maybe you didn't have that sort of deep relationship. They were a rival. They were a competitor who you just have or, you know, back in your playing career had a ton of respect for wow. and admired. Wow, wow, wow. That's a great question. I mean, when it, as soon as you said who did you compete against, I would have gone right to my college roommate. Um, John Elway, that was, was the first thing that came to my mind that in college. I mean, it was crazy from racquetball to golf or whatever it was. We were always competing against each other. Um, on the big league field, I think one of the biggest things for me was competing against Roger Clements. Got off to such a bad start uh, against Clemens. I, I can tell this story real quick. We came to the clubhouse one day and Bobby Valentine went up to Inky and said, hey, you're off tonight. And Inky goes, why? And he goes, well, have you seen your numbers against Clemens? And then I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, God, has he seen my numbers against <laughs> Clemens? And maybe I should be the one getting the night off. But it was such a horrible start for a few years against Clemens. And then 
uh, our hitting coach said, hey, I want you to go order a bigger bat, which just kind of freaked me out, like blew my mind that he wouldn't say that. I just want you to get, get a bigger bat, and when you face Clemens, I just want you to use your hands. And, and Anyway, so the next game against Clemens, I hit a ball between the pitcher's mound, first base, second base, where all three of them went to go field it, and I jogged into first base with an infield single. And then from there on out, for whatever reason, I had the feeling that I, I can get this guy at some point. So, um, you know, hit a home run, a game-winning homer one game, an RBI double. But that, for me, was just a guy that I, I competed against because he was so dang good. I was going to ask you, you had one home run against him. You just mentioned game-winning home run. Do you remember anything about that at bat or, or the feeling when you're rounding the bases, I, I just took Roger Clemens deep. No, but I'm sure at the time I, I was very well aware that I did take Roger Clemens deep, <laughs> but I don't remember knowing what I felt like running around the bases. I know it was a close game. I think that was a two-to-one game. when uh, It was a solo homer, and I think I doubled in another run in that game as well. Um, but uh, when you talk about compete, you know, when you talk about pitchers, Clemens was one of those guys that competed as hard as anybody on the mound. Nolan Ryan was the same way. I never had the chance to compete against Nolan Ryan, but I did against Clemens. All right, we're going to test your memory here. There were three pitchers in your career you hit four home runs against, not a game, but over the course of your, your matchups. And that was the most uh, that you would hit against an individual pitcher of all the, the home runs you hit. Can, do you think you can name any of the three pitchers? Bud Black. Yep. Kirk McCaskill. Yep. Give me a clue on the – is a lefty? The other one, yes, a lefty, Toronto, Toronto mostly. Jimmy Key? No, not Jimmy Key. First name begins with a J. Played for Detroit at the very end of his career, but uh, I, best I, years I, I, with I Toronto. I see his face. I give up. Give, John Cerruti. John Cerruti, yeah. yeah. But two out of three, that's pretty good. That was really good. good. Memory. Yeah, <laughs> I'm impressed. It was only four. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty easy to remember that. <laughs> well, we're so excited to keep hearing more stories from you. So, obviously, it's the Rangers' 50th anniversary season. So, Boo, with that in mind, it's kind of a loaded question. What is your favorite Rangers story to tell, and what is one story that our listeners may not have heard? Oh, my gosh. I mean, when you start talking stories, you got to be careful where you go with them. You know? <laughs> that is true. Uh, very true. I think favorite stories, I was never – part of the postseason as a player for the Rangers. So to be part of the postseason as a coach uh, in 2015 and 16, those were times I will never forget. Those were so enjoyable, and, and my relationships with the coaches and Adrian and some of those guys on that team. Um, some of the great stories, that, I mean, some of the stories with Nolan Ryan, just the way he competed and what he was like on the field while we were on the field together and the relationship that we developed over time uh, were pretty comical because there was one time I went to the picture, to the mound giving him a, a rest when he had to cover first base. And when I went to the mound, he had said something to me where I just turned around and walked back to third. Like <laughs> He was like, what are you doing here at this, you know, on the mound? Um, and we, we laughed and joked about it and just how that – and there's so much more to that story, the language and uh, what was said. <laughs> it's not fit and how, for the air. Yeah, it's not real fit for the air. But We can censor it. That type of relationship um, stories with Nolan Ryan 
and then Nolan inviting Nancy and I to the national finals rodeo and playing tennis against he and his wife with Nancy and myself. And, um, those were, those were fun times. I, there's so many stories. It's really hard to pick one out and, and you know, what stands out more than another. Who's a better tennis player, Ruth or Nancy? Uh, oh, they're both pretty good. They're both better than their husbands. I can tell you that. <laughs> Smart answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good. That's, very that's a true correct. answer. I, 2015, the Rangers right now, we're having this conversation after the Phillies series, before the Yankees series. The Rangers are now 10 and 14. 2015, team was 8 and 16 to start the year. Coming off the really, really rough 2014 year, it was my first year, and I remember just drowning in, in the struggles to begin the year. And just, you know, thinking, I'm so excited. Let's go. Let's get this, this season going, and bam. You know, eight and sixteen, and then to come back and to win uh, the AOS that year, right. and and to have that really exciting rivalry with the Astros that probably I guess took off in 2015. I, I guess there were maybe some some foundational moments in, in the the previous few years. Marwin Gonzalez breaking up you uh, Darvish's no hitter, perhaps being one of them. But just that that comeback run. To, to come back, I mean, the Astros got off to this awesome start, too. You know, it wasn't just the Rangers got right. off to a rough start. The Astros were outstanding to begin the year. What was that like? What do you remember about that year? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the start, I remember that year, and it, everyone was a little frustrated because we had felt internally this, this is a decent team. But what I remember turning around was we had Leonis Martin playing center field, and we had Delano the Shields as a Rule 5. And I remember telling Banny, I said, we need to get Delino into the lineup to find out what we got. Because if we don't have anything there, then we can, you know, we, he needs to go back. But if he, we do have something, maybe this is someone that can help us. Or we just need to find out. And I think we had a couple bench players that hadn't played early on. Adam Rosales was one of them. I said, we need to get everybody in and start playing. But I think the addition of Delino at the leadoff spot kind of gave us a little bit of a spark. And then I don't know if you remember this, but Prince Fielder went on a run like I've never seen a player carry a team for probably a month and a half, uh, which kept us afloat uh, and, and got us back around. I think even by the time we got Cole Hamels in the trade, I think we may have still been under 500, under 500 yeah. right, at that time. And uh, the way we finished off that season uh, and that run through August and September – uh, it was very memorable. And to go down the last day and Cole Hamels threw a complete game, it was just – it was unbelievable. I remember – I don't know if you remember this specifically. So, yeah, July, still under 500. But May was a huge month just to get back in the conversation. So it didn't really take off until August and September. But had it not been for May, you know, 8 and 16 might have become 12 and right. 37 or something. But there was a nine-game road trip. I forget the order, but it, it was Cleveland, Boston, New York. And we lost the first and last game, but won the seven in between. And I, I, I'm probably not factually accurate in saying this, but I'm pretty sure that, like in my memory, scored a run in the first inning in every one of those games. And it was Delino usually getting on base and, and being a spark plug. Uh, and that road trip went seven and two. And those three teams were all really good then. Right. So it wasn't... Uh, and that helped turn things around. And then the Cole Hamels trade, 
I always get it blurred whether it was the night it was reported or the night it became official. But we got up five nothing on the Yankees and lost twenty one to five. And those losses they count the same as two to one. Right. But like it just feels worse, especially when you're up five nothing. And then Cole Hamill's just totally I mean, this, the, the energy of getting Cole Hamels and Jake Diekman as well. I mean, right. he was so big that year. And, and everything kind of fell into place after that. Yeah, I, I remember um, John Daniels came in to a, a meeting with everybody and, and, and asked, hey, does any, is there anybody in here who doesn't think we can make a run at this thing? Because even though we were under 500, it's not like we were buried. You know, maybe 10 games, 8, 9, whatever it was. We certainly weren't buried with – two and a half months to go in the season. And I think everybody was on board uh, that, yeah, we can make a run at this thing. And then we get Cole, and then you add in um, Diekman and, and Sam Dyson that came along. And uh, just the way the guys played uh, in into August, but the way they played in that month of September. I think Adrian did what he does best. The month of September is his Unreal. month, right? Yeah. I mean, he just takes the team on his shoulders and – and, and you follow him around. That's what the guys did. So I, I, that, that, if there's a story, like you were asking, Hannah, I mean, that, that 2015 team, that was, a, that was a great story. Boo, I feel like you're just a Rangers encyclopedia. You know, all <laughs> these players remember all the games. So I'm really excited to ask you this next question. You just mentioned Nolan, and obviously Rangers fans are very familiar with players like Pudge Rodriguez, Juan Gonzalez, Tom Grieve. But who was someone really important to Rangers baseball that might not get that same recognition? Wow. I mean, a good friend of mine, uh, Pete O'Brien, was a, a first baseman from the years that I played. And I just, I've always thought he's been very underrated when, when talked about as a player. He was one of the best, probably the best first baseman that I ever played with, not just here, but anywhere. And that includes Mark Grace. I mean, Mark Grace was an outstanding defensive first baseman, but Pete was really good. Um, Julio Franco probably doesn't get talked about as much when he won the batting title. That, that's a player that from opening day till the end of the season hit the ball as hard as anybody I have ever seen throughout the course of the season. I don't think he ever went into a slump. Uh, and then obviously you have the big names. But those are two that sometimes I think get a little bit overlooked. Um, maybe on the pitching side, I know he's still a popular person here, but Charlie Huff, uh, what he did here all the years he pitched here and um, getting the chance to play with him. We're still great friends today, but those are probably guys that come to mind right away. I think with Huff and Julio Franco, they're remembered, but not, I don't want to say not for the right reasons. I think when people think of Charlie Huff, they just think of knuckleballer, knuckleballer. but don't realize how good he was. And with Julio Franco, I think it got to the point where people just, thought of him as the guy who played until he was 87 years old right. but forget that he wasn't just some guy who hung around he was you mentioned batting title one of, was a really really good, good player. player right so all right uh this is the straight up texas podcast presented by whataburger so this is a really important question okay go to whataburger order Maybe a little bit off the wall but I'm a breakfast guy the for dinner as well like breakfast anytime uh yeah, I don't mind that, but from Whataburger, I would do the, the breakfast taquitos and the, I can never say it, the honey butter chicken biscuit. <laughs> say that 10 times <laughs> yeah, fast. Yeah, say that 10 times as, as fast as you can, but 
those will be my go-tos at Whataburger. Are you bacon or sausage for the taquitos? Both. Okay. Like them both. That's a good answer. I mean, what that's... kind of a ketchup guy are you? Like fancy, spicy? You know, regular. But the spicy is good. My kids love the spicy ketchup. But I'm, I'm, I'm a regular. Well, now you have some to take home with I you know. today. Oh, thanks. Well, Boo, we really appreciate it. Uh, you know, we mentioned at the very beginning, and I think it's kind of fitting the question Hannah asked you. Uh, people who are a big part of this organization who maybe don't get the credit, and I know you're not going to like me saying this, but you think of everything you've given to this organization, I think you fit that, that answer, that, that question. Uh, and I know it's, you know it's been a lot of fun for me getting to know you from – when we'd sit in the dugout after uh, you'd throw batting practice starting back in 2015 uh, in that, that summer heat, the which heat. Uh, I'm yeah. sure you would have loved to have thrown batting practice in this ballpark. No kidding. Yeah, I remember those days well and miss them. I mean, that was, that was part of the gig, right? Yeah. Just throwing BP when it was 100 degrees out there and getting 15 minutes and just sweating your tail off. That was, I loved it. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it, it's been really fun getting to know you. I know Hannah feels the same way when we were talking about having you on and uh, we really appreciate you joining us. God, thanks for being. I love being with you guys. And keep up those great outfits too. We love them. Yeah, <laughs> if you they're not going to change. You can give me any Good. lessons. Yeah. I'm, I'm open. Let me know. Well, uh, we're excited for uh, you to to listen to this conversation. Uh, we've got many more throughout the year with people who are going to help tell the story of Texas Rangers baseball as we celebrate the 50 year anniversary and and so much more beyond that. Uh, be sure to be on the lookout for our next episode, which will be with a Rangers fan and country music star Pat Green. But uh, until next time, for Tim Johnston and Hannah Wing and our esteemed guest Steve Bouchelle, I'm Jared Sandler. Thanks so much for being with us. This has been another episode of the Straight Up Texas podcast presented by Whataburger, and we'll talk to you later.